They're not protesters. Those aren't protesters. Those are anarchists, they're agitators, they're rioters, they're looters. At some demonstrations, there are extremist agitators who are hijacking the protests to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. The outside agitator. Deeply rooted in American history, this trope has made a recent reappearance. This past summer, we saw it used across the nation as demonstrations for racial justice erupted. I think our best estimate right now that I heard is about 20% is what we think are Minnesotans and about 80% are outside. The origin of the outside agitator trope isn't clear, but for decades it has existed alongside social justice movements in America, including the civil rights era. And more recently, the trope reached Northwestern University. Beginning on October 12th, student group NU Community Not Cops began daily actions, demanding that Northwestern divest from university police and the Evanston Police Department. On October 19th, President Morton Shapiro first addressed the protests in an email, which sparked immediate controversy. Some students noted President Shapiro's claim that some instigators appear to be, quote, outside activists. During a town hall, he tried to clarify his position. Hey, I, I didn't, if you actually read my thing, I didn't say they were all outside activists. Yeah. And I said, well, why did they write abolish the University of Chicago Police Department, you know, if they were not from the University of Chicago? And, and they were obviously a substantial number of members from outside the community. And to deny that, I think it's ludicrous. And here's what an anonymous representative from NU Community Not Cops had to say in response. The thing about abolition is that it's a hyper-local fight. It's simultaneously a global fight. And you have to have both of them occurring at the same time. So today, we're taking a close look at the trope and how it's been weaponized against social justice movements silence collective liberation, and preserved violence. Then we're going to look at how the trope made its way to Northwestern and what student group NU Community Not Cops has to say about it. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Alex Chun, and this is Defining Safe, a podcast that looks at the intersection of identity and student life on campus. The outside agitator myth is, is a way to say who's in and who's out. And it preys upon another myth, the myth of stranger danger. And so the outside agitator myth will get used to say these people should not be coming in and telling us how to live our lives. The point of calling them outside agitators is to delegitimize and de-emphasize the actual thing that people are protesting. That's Dr. Stephen Thrasher. He's the Daniel H. Renberg Chair of Social Justice in Reporting. He's a professor in Medill and also teaches American Studies, African American Studies, and Gender and Sexuality Studies courses. I approached Dr. Thrasher because I was curious about the trope, the outside agitator. It was a term I had heard thrown around a lot this past summer as protests for racial justice erupted in all 50 states. So I asked him, where did this trope even come from? So the outside agitator myth we most often talk about in the United States is having a particular rise during the civil rights movement of the mid-20th century. And the idea that as the Southern Christian Leadership Conference uh, and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, as they were working with 
church networks in the South and working on desegregating the U.S. Uh, South, they would be delegitimized by people who would say these are outside agitators. And you can actually map that onto a much longer history of the antebellum time and the Civil War, the idea that everything was fine, that enslaved people were happy, they were dancing, they were singing. Of course, none of this is true, but a lot of the media around it was trying to portray and media of its time in terms of literature and uh, newspapers and propaganda trying to say enslaved people were happy. We don't need you Yankees coming down here as outside agitators, getting them all riled up. As I spoke with Northwestern professors, nobody was entirely sure who coined the term or who first used it, but they all agreed on one thing. The outside agitator trope experienced a newfound prominence in the 1900s. I'll let Professor Kevin Boyle explain. In the early 20th century, in the first four decades of the 20th century, there were any number of really traumatic working class movements in the United States for unionization, for radical change, And it became a really standard argument for employers to make or sometimes for um, community leaders to make that those movements were being influenced by, were being shaped by outside forces. And those forces could come from all sorts of different places. This is a very malleable concept in terms of who you get to blame for being an outside agitator. Professor Kevin Boyle is the William Smith Mason Professor of American History and has written a few books about the 20th century and social justice movements. He explained to me that the outside agitator trope first began to reappear in the 20th century as a response to labor unionization efforts. Employers would claim that these movements were spurred by communists or radical union agitators from out of town. And so when the civil rights movement began to gain traction during the mid-20th century, the outside agitator with its manufactured links to communism, gained newfound popularity. Then in the civil rights movement, the 1950s and 60s, that kind of key moment of a long civil rights movement, particularly in the 1950s and 60s, um, in the South, there was a massive use of outside agitator, the outside agitator argument that African-Americans wouldn't be staging protests except that these outsiders came and riled them up. And again, it often had a political dimension. There's nothing more powerful. There wasn't anything more powerful in the United States in the 20th century than to say the, um, someone is a communist. And so it was often that communists were coming in to rile up the civil rights activism. Fighting the outside agitator trope is difficult because part of the trope is based on truth. Look to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as an example. He was from Alabama, but frequently traveled to cities and other states to mobilize people. King was connected to a large network of democratic socialists, and some of them operated out of Highlander Folk School in Tennessee, an organization that did community training and workshops. A lot of the civil rights activists passed through there at one point or another. Rosa Parks did, Martin Luther King did, just for a couple of weeks of training and connection with other activists. That connection political leaders across the South tried to use to claim he was himself been recruited by outside activists, by these dangerous communists from the North working through Highlander, and that they were then using him as a tool of their outside ideas. 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. addressed the trope in his letter from Birmingham jail. He wrote, quote, Whatever affects one directly, affects all indirectly. Never again can we afford to live with the narrow, provincial, outside agitator idea. America is a hypermobile country. With some exceptions, citizens are able to travel from state to state with little restriction at state borders. So while it is true that instigators and activists may come from different geographical regions, the question then is, is that a bad thing? Should social justice movements be isolated and defined by borders? Or should they be collective? To answer this question, Dr. Thrasher contextualized it with the protest for racial justice that happened in Minneapolis this past summer. So the murder of George Floyd, or I guess I should say the alleged murder, because we'll see whether he goes to trial and whether or not the police officers will be convicted, but of George Floyd is something that people of good conscience should be outraged about everywhere. It shouldn't matter whether you're a resident of Minneapolis or St. Paul or Michigan or Illinois, anyone can legitimately be angry about that. And saying that they're outside agitators is a dangerous thing because it, it delegitimizes a central claim. And it also creates the idea that other human beings on this planet, other citizens of the United States, don't have a legitimate reason to speak up about these things. And, and it was funny at one point, I, I legitimately, this is one of the first times that I felt like laughing watching this stuff when at some point there were protests happening in all 50 states. and. And so how do you say they're all outside agitators? It's like everyone going to another state and then they're going to their state um, and protesting, you know, across state borders. So it became harder and harder to, to delegitimize with this claim. And yet it still comes up often. And what justification could you possibly have for accusing protesters of being outside activists when you full well know that they are students who have been organizing and asking for, you know, some response to the, the question of policing on this campus. Yeah, I, I didn't, if you actually read my thing, I didn't say they were all outside activists. Yeah. And I said, well, why did they write abolish the University of Chicago Police Department, you know, if they were not from the University of Chicago? And, and they were obviously a, a substantial number uh, members from outside the community, and to deny that, I think it's ludicrous. On October 20th, President Shapiro held a community dialogue where students could submit questions to a panel of faculty. In it, he addressed the protests led by student group NU Community Not Cops and the university's response. He also talked about the email that he sent to the Northwestern community the day before, in which he wrote, quote, some of the instigators appear not to be Northwestern students at all, but rather outside activists. And while it can't be confirmed nor denied that every single protester was a Northwestern student, I was curious about NU Community Not Cops' response to the claim. So I spoke with an NU Community Not Cops representative who asked to remain anonymous for safety reasons. First of all, the campaign is student-led. So even if people were coming from other places it's not like the students aren't fine with that but even if they were like like let's say like it is a bunch of outside people everyone benefits from a private police force being abolished everyone benefits from us getting 
closer to abolition. Like, we need support from everyone because we all, even the people that aren't for abolition, like, we all benefit from this. And in terms of being stronger together, like, we need to support each other's movements. How can you be an outside agitator when this is also your fight? You just can't, like, you're not on the outside. Like, nobody's on the outside. So... If nobody's on the outside because liberatory movements are collective, the outside agitator trope would really just be a constructed myth. Which leaves us to ask, what influences who is and isn't considered an outside agitator? So you certainly saw this this summer with Kyle Rittenhouse, who in Kenosha, Wisconsin, seems to have come from another state, is alleged to have shot two people, and he was not sort of posited as an outside agitator, partially because white people, the history of white supremacy is that white people have a right to go anywhere, right? Like white people have the ability to travel through any space in the U.S., and so they did not have to think about segregation, black codes, sundown laws, Jim Crow, things of that nature. The origins of policing have to do with um, the Louisiana Slave Patrol, which gave white people the right to question and actually compelled them legally, made them have to make sure that black people were in their place. And so white people can't really be outside agitators in that way because they've already been given license to go anywhere. Part of the the outsider agitator trope is to say, you need to stay in your place and you're not supposed to go to other places, that people who are not already part of the dominant power structure should stay where they're at and not travel between different places. So Dr. Thrasher asserts that white Americans are often not posited as outsiders. Thus, the trope is often used to uphold existing structures and delegitimize criticism. With the recent protests, Northwestern and Evanston have called in an external police body, the Northern Illinois Police Alarm System. And some students on social media have pointed this out, flipping the trope and calling these officers outside agitators. But opinions on this are a little complicated. The organization serves as a law enforcement body designed to supplement local police departments when needed. In an email obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request, the NIPAS leader, Chief David Clark, asked the city of Evanston if NIPAS forces could intervene in the NU community not cops student protests. In the email, Clark wrote, quote, We understand each agency has the right to police their jurisdiction in a way that best suits the residents. If the city of Evanston's policy is to follow the group around and allow them to commit criminal acts with no intervention, we respect that, but we cannot be a part of it. Clark then requested permission for the NIPAS to police Evanston. The city agreed. Our protests have been called unpeaceful, violent, and it's like, okay, who's coming ready for that? Because we're not showing up in riot gear with weapons, with, like, gas, with batons. Like, why is that considered violent? And that's not seen as an outside agitator for the same reasons that we don't have outside agitators, is... Like, to them, they're all invested in the same goal of protecting property, maintaining white supremacy. At the NU Community Not Cops protests that took place on Monday night, November 9th, over 70 police officers flanked approximately 60 protesters gathered in Fountain Square. A significant number of those officers were NIPAS. Multiple officers were seen covering their badge numbers, 
and there were also several canine vehicles and a police van. While Professor Boyle doesn't consider NIPAS to be an outside agitator, he does express concern about their presence. I don't think it's quite the same thing, though there is sometimes the fear that bringing in outside police units or National Guardsmen, say, in some of the protests over the summer, for instance, can in fact be a really, really dangerous step to take. Because what they don't have is they don't have an understanding of a community and they don't have the training for the particulars of that community. So in a place like Evanston, for instance, or Northwestern, you know, that's a really, really the particular community. You know, there's history and traditions and expectations on campus and in Evanston. And if you bring in forces that are from outside of that, how do you know they're going to understand those dynamics? For now, NU Community Not Cops plans to protest every day until Northwestern cuts ties with University Police and the Evanston Police Department. And they plan to do so in coalition with other local abolitionist student groups. Yeah, we've had multiple collaborations had solar, students organizing labor rights, fossil free. We had a co-drive with FGP Chicago. We had a teach-in with dissenters. And despite the fact that those like, all of those things are like FTP is like concerned with like providing resources. Dissenters is concerned with militarism. Solar is concerned with labor rights. Fossil free is concerned with climate change, but those are all abolitionist struggles which really shows how expansive the prison industrial complex is, but also at like, all of the levels that we need to be pushing on. And those are just some of our collabs. I think we've had more and we always have more upcoming. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Alex Chun. Thanks for listening to another episode of Defining Safe. This episode was reported on and produced by me. The email between the city of Evanston and David Clark accessed through the Freedom of Information Act was obtained by Adam Mahoney. The audio editor of The Daily is me. The digital managing editors are Molly Lubers and Jacob O'Hara. The editor-in-chief is Marissa Martinez.